Hello, it's Friday the 6th of October. I'm Alex von Tunzelman and I won't go to Euston Station unless I receive billions in private funding. <laughs> Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we gather up the papers, splice them all together and end up with a collection of freakish hybrid creatures that chase us around the island and eventually devour us whole. <laughs> Coco Dave says it's a great way to get the day's news. Thanks, Coco Dave. I agree. We're out five days a week for your listening delight. And if you'd like to help us, why not join the Papercuts Supporters Club? Just visit back.papercutsshow.com. That's B-A-C-K dot papercutsshow, two S's there, dot com, to find out how. There's a link in the show notes. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. You've Scott Mail. Scottish Labour trounced the SNP and the Conservatives in the Rutherglen and Hamilton West by-election. The tooth, the whole tooth and nothing but the tooth. Keir Starmer is accused of not having bold enough policies and immediately responds with a bold new policy to make kids brush their teeth. And I think we're alone now. The average Brit is down to just 3.7 friends. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we're just trying to live peacefully among the beast folk. <laughs> I'm Alex von Tunzelman, and joining me on the show today is the Bunker podcast host, Jacob Jarvis, who wants to be spliced with a liger of some kind. <laughs> Hello, Jarv. Hi, Alex. I'll try and be more definitive in my answers to other things that you ask me. That's a pretty good one. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't love a liger of some kind? Uh, and also with us is TV comedy writer... Jason Hazley, who wants to be spliced with a chinchilla. I do, yes. I want to be cute and uh, have the ability to shit every sort of 20 seconds or so. (laughs) Well, don't we all? Hello, Jason. Hello. Uh, So what's on the front pages today, Jav? So on the front page of Times, uh, Frasier's back. The the much-loved TV show Frasier is, is returning, apparently, which is the big news of today. But no, they've got a story here about Sunak meeting up with the Italian Prime Minister to urge Europe to follow their lead on migration, uh, with a quote here saying that they want their European counterparts to have the same sense of urgency. I mean, Sunak talking sense of any kind sounds a little bit (laughs) ironic uh, to me, really, there. There's also a story about the CPS calling for clemency over mercy killings cases, apparently. And then there's a a strange story, really, about Labour, which we'll get into later, about them wanting to get people to brush their teeth at school. And then there's also a picture of Kate, Princess of Wales, where she is playing wheelchair rugby, and she's got her arms sort of up in the air, looking very excited about that. And also said she still had two fingers bandaged after trampolining accident a few weeks ago. So get well Left soon, Left her in a Kate. wheelchair. Yes. <laughs> extreme. Now, didn't, didn't wheelchair rugby used to be called murder ball, didn't it? Oh, did it? I'm not sure. So, she, so the princess is playing murder ball. I mean, that's terrible PR for her. It's not good, is it? Yeah. yeah. And then so on the Telegraph, we've got Starmer will not bring HS2 back to life there. And also a lovely picture of Kate... And then there is that the the Tories fear Attorney General will rule Rwanda plan is still illegal. So that's still rolling on. And then the I, uh, new HS2 plan is in doubt 24 hours after Sunak speech. So basically saying that what he rolled back on looks like that will be rolled back on again when it comes to trains. So just a lot more train mayhem. And also Rick Astley on the front page here saying, I'm lucky I don't have to worry about the gas bill. <laughs> so really great news for Rick Astley today, which we all wanted. We all were, I, you know, I really wouldn't like Rick Astley to have to worry about his gas bill. He's never going to give that up. No. <laughs> well, Jason, what have you got for us? Um, oh, these are all quite bleak. Um, front page of the Daily Mail. 
nurses drugged stroke patients, dot, 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 for an easy life. This is the story of a couple of nurses who were sedating people just so they had less to do. Pretty grim. Also, there's a strap across the top uh, advertising Jan Moyer's column. How I wish I'd been in row C with a rotten cabbage when those eco-clowns stormed Les Mis. Um, quite what she, I don't know how the theatre would have reacted to anybody walking in with a rotten cabbage, Jan Moyer. Um, it's a bizarre weapon of choice, rotten strange, cabbage, I would suggest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then the front page of The Sun um, has a pretty scary story. Holly's kidnap plot terror. Police arrest man aged 36 and Holly Willoughby has pulled out of this morning because uh, a man in Harlow in Essex um, was planning to kidnap her, which is very scary. Mm, There's also a a bit up in the earpiece um, about uh, three Lions rap for World Cup 2030. Gareth Southgate um, is um, blasting FIFA for this nuts plan to hold the 2030 World Cup across six countries. Um, That'll be good for climate change. It'd be great. And talking of climate change, uh, listen, I really encourage uh, listeners to actually find either a copy of The Guardian or a photo of the front page because you need to see this graph. The headline, which is enormous, it's even bigger than the paper's masthead, is out of control. September 2023 was the warmest on record and by such a long way, it's like twice as warm as any other September has been. It's a very, very scary story. As the Tory party conference comes to an end and they start thinking about the forthcoming Labour conference, papers turned their sights last night on Keir Starmer. Apparently he's not doing enough. But then overnight something happened to make them all look a bit out of date already. Jarv, what went down? Yeah, so, I mean, while they're trying to frame it as, you know, Keir Starmer needs to make things happen, it would appear that Labour Labour are, because according to The Guardian, there was a, a seismic night in Scotland where Labour crushed the SNP in the Rutherglen and Hamilton West by-election. So this was over Margaret Ferry's old seat. There was a, a by-election there, which Michael Shanks has won uh, with an, an overwhelming victory over the SNP. I think the Independent called it stonking which is, you know, that's a pretty bold newspaper word there. So it, it completely exceeded... <laughs> Stonking. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. It, so, yeah, it, it kind of exceeded all expectations as to how well Labour would do there. So it was a... He beat his closest rival, Shanks did, uh, by 17,845 votes with what? a swing of more than 20%. So, yeah, really indicative of looking like Labour will do well in Scotland, potentially when a whenever a general election might come round. And it kind of seems, you know, Sunak's way of keep going, no one likes Starmer or Labour, constantly is proven wrong. So yeah, a big, big old story for Labour there. Wasn't a great night for the Conservatives, was it? No. So they, I believe, uh, Jason, you were saying they lost their 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 deposit. deposit. So it was completely a trouncing for them. In the words of the mirror, they were left humiliated. (laughs) (laughs) Stonkingly humiliated. Stonkingly, yeah. There should be more stonking, shouldn't there, in general, I think, yeah. But was it even worse for the SNP? Because we saw Humza Youssef has made the cover of Time magazine this Mm. week as one of a new generation of young leaders, but this isn't a great result for them, is it? No, so, I mean, it's kind of a real capitulation their way in a drop. And, you know, if this were to be extrapolated more widely across Scotland, then it's really going to mean that that power dynamic completely shifting up there. Jason, what do we know about the new Scottish Labour MP Michael Shanks? What we know about Michael Shanks is that, as the Glasgow Times puts it, if you live in Glasgow, Michael has run past your home at some point. (laughs) 
because during during the first lockdown, he took his daily run and decided, oh, I think I'm going to explore a bit more of the city. And then he decided he would run up every street in Glasgow. So he has run up all 6,143 streets in Glasgow. That's 2,325 kilometres of running. Boy, does he know his turf. (laughs) (laughs) If we come back to this criticism of Starmer that's in the papers, Jav, um, the Guardian's criticism is coming not actually from the Tories. It's coming from some of the figures behind Labour's 1997 victory, notably Alistair Campbell, Peter Mandelson, who say he's not doing enough. What's their problem? So we've obviously got the the conference coming up and it does seem a little bit strange to me that everyone is saying that Starmer should say loads more stuff right before he's clearly about to have a massive set piece where he will predictably say lots of stuff. (laughs) That might be a little bit why he's kind of slightly quiet at the moment. But this is a a constant refrain really for Starmer that he doesn't quite go on the front foot enough and isn't quite punchy enough. So here we've got on the front page of the Guardian, Starmer must be bold, urges team from Labour 1997 win. So we've got Alistair Campbell here saying Labour shouldn't be so worried about getting attacked. And I think that's another thing that Keir Starmer seems to be doing the sort of don't interrupt your enemies tactic constantly. But maybe, I don't know, why not? If you're going to be saying things that will make some people happy, conversely, that'll make some people unhappy. So perhaps he needs to, to do that. So yeah, that's what Alistair Campbell's saying. There's also things like... Uh, David Miliband is popping up. For all the greatest hits. They're doing their sort of 97 tribute act thing, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, so David Miliband is saying we were, we're having to reinforce our commitment to the electorate that we wouldn't be a risk for them, but we're also having to give them a sense of hope and change. In that sense, we needed to be radical as well as credible. So yeah, to be, to be honest, it seems like it's just a way of moving the news on a little bit to talk about what's going to be coming up. It feels like you know, the news cycle needs new stuff. But then the, the Telegraph is you know, more critical of Starmer not giving him advice so much as having a bit of a go, which is that uh, Starmer will not bring HS2 back to life, it's what it's saying here, and uh, it would uh, abandon Labour's 2019 manifesto pledge to complete HS2, and it puts him on a collision course with parties, MPs and activists. But I mean, we don't know when the next general election is going to be, and to defend Keir Starmer a little bit there, who knows what the, the state of play will be? We've seen land that was being meant to be used for HS2 being sold off already. How much is going to go? So he's in this weird sort of position. What I do think communications-wise, though, I don't get why he can't say, but we'd like to. <laughs> uh, we might be fucked and we might not be able to and it might be all completely ruined. But I, in an ideal world, that's what we'd do. Whereas he seems to sort of go really hyper-realistic of being like, well... Who knows? Well, I don't know what Sunak will do. Maybe he'll completely ruin this for all of us. I mean, to be fair, it does sound like he's pretty much attempting to uh, snooker the situation. Yeah, it? absolutely. Well, yeah, there's another little bit in the in the Guardian describing it as Sunak's spiteful sale of HS2 land dashes Labour's hopes of reviving projecting. So, yeah, what can Keir, what can Keir do? We don't know. What can Keir do? Jason, he did announce one policy yesterday, though, didn't he? What What's that? All right, well, it depends on how you get into this story. But let's do what the Times did. Labour would make primary pupils brush teeth at school. Um, Those woke bastards. (laughs) Now they're coming for our tooth decay. Um, the The real detail of this story is that tooth decay is a big issue. 42,000 children went to hospital in 2021-22 to have teeth removed. 
And that's wow. a big deal. Mm. So Starmer is saying he is going to provide an extra 700,000 urgent dental appointments and offer incentives for new dentists to work in areas with the greatest need. Now, I don't know if you remember, but there was a story last year uh, about a dentist that had just opened, I think, somewhere in Norfolk. And the photo uh, accompanying the story was a photograph of about 160 people queuing to sign up for an NHS oh, dentist God. because they couldn't get one. Wow. So this is a serious issue. Mm. Um, Quite why they've lent into this thing about children brushing teeth at school, I don't know. But I guess that's not going to be like, it's not going to be like morning assembly. Everybody stand here and do your teeth, you know. Um, but it has, it's obviously, it's, it's got some uh, teachers, leaders saying, well, this is not our job. We're not meant to do this. You know, so it's, it's a depressing story. But there you go. It's, it's made a, he's taking, he's taking a bite into Maybe the, a, uh, see what I did there? Um, yeah, into, oh, uh, nice. into, uh, into the nation's dental health. <laughs> These are two words you don't want to hear next to each other. Horror stories of DIY dentistry are too frequent. Oh, God. No. Yeah. Please don't try that at home. So yeah. I don't want to go any further down there because this isn't a marathon man reconstruction sure, yeah. society. <laughs> I'm not sure what, what feels more dystopian, the image of rows and rows and rows of children just brushing their teeth together in unison <laughs> or people committing DIY dentistry. They're both quite scary in their own way, aren't they? Pretty sure it's the DIY dentistry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Billy No Mates. The Star tells us today about a study, they don't say which study, so I'm afraid we can't check their methodology, that says sad Brits have fewer than four close friends each. 3.7, in fact. Good luck if you're 0.7 of a friend. The Star worries that the ghosting craze is taking over people's lives. So what's happening? Is it social media or the pandemic? Or do we just not like each other very much anymore? Jason, can you talk us through this story? Yeah, I'll have a go. I think this is actually um, just the uh, the impact of the film The Banshees of Inner Sharon, um, <laughs> where people are just <laughs> kicking their friends away. This is a strange story. It, we really struggle to work out where this has come from, but here's some statistics. So um, a decade ago, research showed that the average adult had 5.1 friends, and that's now fallen to 3.7. It's a sobering statistic, says Emma Cahoon of Krispy Kreme, which carried out... Oh, that's who carried out the study. <laughs> it's but Krispy Kreme carried out the study. Uh, Wait a minute. You donut. So, <laughs> I mean, it's usually the case. This is usually the case, isn't it? When you, re you know there's that story every year about the books that people leave in hotel rooms. It's PR by one of the big hotel chains, right? So I don't know what Krispy Kreme have got to gain out of this, but anyway. Um, but Emma Cahoon of Krispy Kreme said it's shocking how many Brits have been ghosted by friends or family. Um, I don't know. This is I find this bizarre because the idea of having 3.7 close friends feels nuts to me. I mean, how many close friends would you say you've got? Yeah, so I was thinking about this. I'm not sure how they define true friend, but true feels like quite a sort of weighted adjective there. So, yes. I mean, I've got, what, five best friends maybe? And that feels really good. I'm quite pleased at that sort of number. I've got lots of more friends, I'd like to think. Who knows? Maybe I don't. Uh, I've got, I don't have you know, to ask all the people in my life back. But yeah, 3.7 doesn't sound startlingly low. If they're like, I, know, I have some friends who I practically consider family. And if, they, yep. if they're on that kind of level, I, don't, I can't imagine myself having many more than that. But this is the issue about not maybe being doesn't show if there's waiting by age or no, things like that, or maybe so. There's yeah. also the sort of this this detail. Um, it seems modern lifestyles mean friendship groups are shrinking. W what? 
What? Yeah. How? <laughs> well, I saw they they actually dedicated their leader column to this on the the next page in the star, I think, and where they basically said that trading memes on WhatsApp isn't enough to to prove you're friends with someone, really. But I would, if that's not a way to maintain a friendship, then <laughs> well, call me for. a shit friend. Because <laughs> 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 that that is completely my way of communication with the people who I who I love, to be honest. Yeah, that, I mean that's that's a perfectly valid way of communication with your friends, for yeah. heaven's sake, isn't it? Yeah, I would I would be alarmed if I didn't get double figures of memes a day from some of my best friends. Yeah, friends. yeah, of course, of course. I think I'd probably trade memes an awful lot more than I trade donuts with my friends. This is true. Yeah. Maybe that's the problem. John, Hang on. This is... <laughs> but all those donuts are going to ruin your children's teeth. Come on. Oh, no. How are uh, we going to sort this out? To be it's honest, a so thinking about the donuts is so, say they sell them. <laughs> Let's think about donuts. <laughs> but think if they sell them in a dozen, a pack of a dozen, and on average people have, say, around four friends, that's about three donuts each. I mean, that's, that's a pretty a good donut session. That's a but lot. But at least, of it, you know, it. it, it, it it works out over the amount of donuts they're selling. So, you know, they've brush got their teeth together. Yeah. Nice bonding experience. Yeah. <laughs> Great. We've solved it. Glad to hear that. <laughs> we at Papercuts love a headline. Creaky puns, dad jokes, overcomplicated metaphysical illusions and all. Not everyone can do them like the Daily Star, but some of our listeners can. And that's why we're bringing you another Fix the Headline competition. Today we've got the story on page three of the sun. Page three of the sun is not what it used to be. Hurrah. Hurrah. <laughs> about an escaped tuna fish which showed up 331 miles from home with the rather boring headline, Runaway Tuna in M5 Dash. Hang on, tuna fish have homes? I mean, I yeah. don't know where they live. I guess no. it's the sea, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like a massive amount if you're swimming and you have this, <laughs> the in, infinity of the sea. Look, I didn't around, write the story. Yeah, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I just sorry. want people We're to hijacking. fix their yeah. headline. <laughs> Boo hiss, you could all do better than this. Come on, head over to Paper Cuts Show on Twitter or X if you insist on calling it that. Don't. Don't. And threads. Think of a better one and send it to us with the hashtag FixTheHeadline. You'll be in with a chance of winning a coveted Paper Cuts t-shirt, available in no shops for winners only. What about in the papers today? Are there any good headlines, Jav? So there is one here on page 18 of the Daily Mirror, which is about just telling people that it takes four fish fingers on buttered white sliced bread to make the perfect sandwich, according to research. <laughs> it doesn't another fish. study. Well, it's not really research, to be honest, I wouldn't say, in a kind of objective way. It's Iceland who commissioned the poll of 2,000 adults among, along with Bird's Eye and the Marine Stewardship Council. Uh, listen, not, they but make listen, a none of these meal. none of these bodies has a vested interest in fish fingers. No, it's so it's a poll. It's not necessarily. It's not sort of like doctoral research where they've been kind of putting <laughs> sandwiches in a lab to test it. But they've gone for the the headline "Food of the Cods." Hey. Uh, which yeah, I quite like. I've never had a fish finger sandwich, so I can't comment. I, I've nice. been veggie my whole life, uh, so yeah, I've missed out. Completely. Completely. They are you great. Can, you yeah. can get veggie fish fingers. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure they probably have been in the lab to test whether they're good <laughs> in sandwiches or not. And then. Away from that, a carpenter named Astrid Arnold has become the first woman to be crowned Screwfix top tradesperson, which mm. I wasn't aware of being an accolade until today, but fair enough. 
And I wonder uh, what the awards ceremony is like. <laughs> <laughs> Cobbled uh, together. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, excuse the plumber, drilling down more into this story then, I suppose. Hey. Daily Star's gone for She's Nailed It. Whoa. Which is uh, perfectly... And so did the headline writer. Perfectly okay yep. for the sub-editor <laughs> there. So uh, the Daily Mirror... Um, has this really rather icky story about this infestation of bedbugs in Paris, which oh, may, like I know, I know, I know, which may come over to the UK on Eurostar. Oh, no. Um, yes, um, Eurostar is currently um, on, on high alert um, and stepping up preventative treatment. Um, <laughs> what and does that mean? I know. Well, spraying, I suppose, is it a bit like that thing when you get on a plane and and every, suddenly there's mist appearing from you know mm. below your bags. Yeah. Um, so yes, and the Mirror has done this uh, bed bug invasion story under the headline "You La La." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it's E E W by the way. In case anybody thinks it's, it's an EU attack, um, and the Daily Star. Uh, has got the story of how bumblebees have hit back in the fight against Asian hornets. I'm not sure how they've done this, how plucky buzzers. I didn't know it was happening. So uh, bees drop to the ground when hornets attack, carrying the pests down, apparently. Um, anyway, uh, uh, with the standalone, our bees harder than hornets, stars... <laughs> Great, isn't it? Um, so our bees harder than hornets, and the headline is "Rumble in the Bumble." Oh, good work, excellent. the star. Hello, I'm Ros Taylor with news of Oh God, What Now, the politics podcast that's never going to leave its voter ID at home. On Friday's show, it's six months until the US election and Donald Trump is stuck sitting on trial in a New York courthouse. Is he bulletproof or can Joe Biden turn around the polls? In the second half, it's local elections week, but we've steadily taken power away from local authorities. What if we gave it back? And in the extra bit for supporters, is there a right level of ruthlessness in politics? That's Oh God, What Now? with me, Ros Taylor, Raphael Baer, Hannah Fern, guest Nikki McCann-Ramirez, out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, between the frying pan of the front page and the fire of the back are the features sections, where we take a break from the world going to hell in a handcart to think about soothing things like gardening, minor celebrities' divorces, and creative misinformation about various health conditions. <laughs> what have we found today? Sir Nicholas Coleridge, publishing magnate and author, is now taking over as Provost of Eton College, a school I'm sure many of our listeners are very fond of. He's talked to The Telegraph, reflecting on his journey from pupil at Eton to Provost. There have been a few things in between. Um, the Telegraph seemed quite pleased that he's taking over after Headmaster Sir Simon Henderson, who they call Trendy Hendy, apparently, quote, allowed woke culture to take hold at Eton. And they hope Sir Nicholas will restore ideological balance. Whatever that means. Jason, what do we learn about Sir Nicholas and Eton College in this rather fascinating piece? Well, pretty much all of this piece um, is just uh, Nicholas Coleridge talking to the journalist. So it's all quotes. I think I should put a content warning here that I'm going to be reading some quotes from a man 
who thinks that Eton is the entire world. Um, <laughs> I suppose for a very long period of my life, school meant Eton, and I don't think it ever crossed my mind that I might go anywhere else, <laughs> says Sir Nicholas Coleridge. The new, By the way, I don't know what a provost is. I thought it was a religious office, but, um, but he's, he's not a religious person here, is he? Um, the reason a lot of Etonians who were my contemporaries have become journalists is because the Eton College Chronicle was so terribly good. The Chronicle, <laughs> wait for it, the Chronicle, which used to be written largely in Greek on yellow pages. Oh no, what? come on. <laughs> this, it just sounds like a cult, doesn't it? You know. Um, so here's a nice one. Craig Brown, we know the author Craig Brown, um, author of Ma'am mm. um, Darling. Yeah, great book. A very good book indeed. Uh, Craig Brown and I set up the Contemporary Arts Society, which is where we invited tremendously trendy people to come down and speak. I said, poor Trendy Hendy here that he's taken over from. Mm. This could be dangerous. So hardly a week went by where Elton John wasn't arriving in his gold Rolls Royce. <laughs> what? Peak trendy. This is, yes. <laughs> this is, not, this is not the Eton I, 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 I visualise. I mean, every week? Hardly weird. a week went Why by. Why was he turning up every week? Maybe he really was into that Greek newspaper on yellow pages. Yeah, Greek newspaper on yellow pages. Um, the really damning bit, though, is the last paragraph, and this is the bit which is, frankly, a bit disgusting. I'm bound to say that if I meet somebody I've never met before, for example, if I'm travelling abroad or through work or something, and it emerges that they were at Eton, I feel an interest in them that is multiplied by at least ten. This is a really weird case of cognitive dissonance here, because... He is saying that the reason people from Eton become successful in journalism is because they're just really good. It's meritocracy. They're just yep. really good at it. They've done a really good job at the student paper. But then he admits that he himself favours people if he meets them from having gone to Eton. Right. Does he not think that that is then a self-sustaining prophecy in yes. industries like the media that people from Eton will do well, then meet people from Eton, and similarly... But you yes. think, oh, I'm so curious about you. You're as a brilliant the, person. The... And it sort of cycles. So it's like this weird sort of never realm that I suppose you have to, you get to a certain age and it must be maybe get a little bit depressing to admit that, oh, basically the school I went to has just set me up to do really well. Yes. And uh, you want to make it look like, you know, you've, you've grinded. So he's having to kind of weirdly do that whilst, as you say, at the very end of it saying, oh, well, I would just be really nice to anyone who went there. Not thinking, and people weren't like that. Did yes, you? and as a former publisher, he used to run Condé Nast. That's exactly the people he can employ. Exactly, I'm ten yeah. times more interested in this journalist because of where they went to school than this journalist, yeah. and we haven't looked at their writing necessarily. Yeah. Can I give you the last line of this? There are certain people who weren't there, i.e. at Eton, and I do admit that in some strange and awful way, yes, awful, I think, <laughs> now, why weren't they? And that it counts against them slightly. <laughs> <laughs> if, if we're being completely can't, oh, why weren't they? Money, possibly? Or being if, a woman, that yeah, might being be an a issue. Woman, yes. <laughs> if we're being completely candid, I do accept that I prefer the company of Etonians to the company of people from any other school in the world. <laughs> wow. Oh. Really saying the quiet part out loud very, very a loud. horn here. Yeah. 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 We had a rhyme at my school, which was Shitty City, it was called, because it was city school. So, I mean, that's sort of not quite as ringy or... As uh, highbrow as trendy hendy, I suppose, but it shows you yeah, still <laughs> still passes along I the, the rhyming um, couplets. I once won a pub quiz, um, and the guy running the pub quiz said, "Okay, ten pound to the charity of your choice," and I shouted out, "Eaton." <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, well, that raises actually a question that will come up. I mean, Jov, you know, we've heard that Labour is going to, uh, you know, the papers have been in a sort of panic about Labour declaring war on public schools. Mm. How long has Eaton got? I think Eaton probably has forever still. (laughs) (laughs) I think it will keep going. Eaton will be like kind of like a a cockroach that just will survive everything. (laughs) Forever, it is. It's indestructible in that in that sort of way. It ties into you know Starmer needing to be bold. He kind of was a bit bold over you know, just getting some money from these places, and then kind of wobbled a little bit on it. I think he's just in that position. You know, as again looping back to this, there are clearly powerful people with vested interests in places like Eton and other private schools, and you can't really wind them up if you want to do well because if they don't like you because you just didn't go to the same school. How fucked are you if you then try and say, well, do you want to support me in an election, but I'll get rid of you or tax you loads of money or whatever it might be. So yeah, it kind of really weirdly, if you remove all the cognitive dissonance from that piece, it sort of explains a lot of the problems going on there, doesn't it? I mean, Starmer's just effectively proposing VAT on private school fees, isn't he? That's it. That doesn't seem an obscenity, does it really? VAT on private school fees? Where, where are we at currently with VAT on feminine hygiene products? Is it still there? Uh, they're reducing it 7% instead of full VAT rate. Um, but still, still taxed. Still taxed. Yeah. You are taxed for having a menstrual cycle. That's right. Um, no tax on public school fees. Right. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to Jason. Thank you. And thanks to Jav. Thank you very much. Remember, we're now out five days a week and we would be really grateful for your support so we can keep bringing you all the news that's fit to print and some that isn't every weekday. We are a 100% independent outfit. No big media owner behind us. We spend £600 a month on papers alone. So if you could chip in a little to keep paper cuts afloat, we'd be thrilled. For as little as £3 a month, you can get 20 episodes without adverts. Support us with a little more and you can get extended episodes with extra material plus exclusive paper cuts, mugs and T-shirts as modelled sometimes by our panel. Not today, apparently. Follow the show notes to back.papercutsshow.com, B-A-C-K to find out more. Our beloved supporters get a shout out on the show and here are three now. We'll read out one each. Hello and thank you from me to Gary Field. Hello and grazie mille and cinque and cheers mate to Carla Mercer. Howdy and thanks buddy to Michael Bryant. I've been Alex von Tunzelman and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when we learned that Gen Z is rejecting traditional condiments such as ketchup, brown sauce and piccalilli in favour of soy, sriracha and wasabi. Mmm, saucy. See you next week. <laughs> Paper Cuts was presented by Alex von Tunzelman. Jacob Jarvis and Jason Hazley. The producer is Liam Tate and assistance from Adam Wright. Audio production by me, Robin Lieburn. Music by Simon Williams. Socials by Jess Harpin. Design by Jim Parrott. And original art by Modern Toss. Managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. Group editor Andrew Harrison. And executive producer Martin Boytosh. Papercuts is a Podmasters production. <laughs>